tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, you see them on the street. You watch them on TV. You might even shotgun one this fall. You think they won't get you drunk if they have a low ABV. But you're already drunk. You're dead drunk. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the 129th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. And tonight in the second entry of our Hops and Floptober series, we're here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And we are all out of bubblegum. For tonight, along with me, are the human embodiment of the phrase, life's a bitch and she's back in heat, Chumpzilla. Mama don't like tattletales. No, she don't. The Sunglass Hut manager who outed the hostile alien takeover, Captain Cash. They only come in blind man's glasses. I'm sorry we didn't have enough time to get different frames. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunate, because really, if you're going to fight a hostile alien takeover, you want to be able to accessorize. At you least, a, least yeah. a little bit. You want to look good while you're kicking ass. I yeah. need some, like, some wraparounds. You know? Okay, okay. We'll keep that in mind. We'll keep that in mind for uh, the next hostile takeover. And mm-hmm. lastly, uh, we've got the man who refuses to obey, but he will consume heavily, Mary McCheese. <laughs> That's like pouring perfume on a pig. <laughs> Why does Roddy Piper only speak in catchphrases? Fuck. Because it's, it's rowdy, rowdy Piper. It's hot rod? Yeah. Fair. Now yeah. formaldehyde face. You look like you like, fell in the cheese dip back in 1956. Like, uh, no one talks like that. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's a big arch movie, but still. Listen, one time Roddy Piper hit Jimmy Snook in the head with a coconut. That's exactly how he talks at all times. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Points Burger, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can find myself on Twitter when I am not breaking through the subliminal message machine uh, on Twitter at WriterTLK. Uh, Chubb Silver, can they find you? You can find me bulldozing homeless encampments on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. It's very on brand. Uh, Mayor McCheese, where can they find you? When I'm not shoveling shirtless on a construction site, you can find me on Twitter, HBOF McCheese. I will say a uh, true story about this movie. Roddy Piper looks very ripped in this movie. Hell not necessarily uh, how he always looked as a wrestler. Not that he was in bad shape. And I guess people would come up to him and say, like, hey, how did John Carpenter get that body double on you with your head? And John oh. Carpenter's like, this is such bullshit. He's like, that was you. Oh, <laughs> they they yeah. talked about it on, like, an interview for this. Roddy Piper is never in bad shape. So and, I find it a little yeah. offensive myself. Yeah, not only is he... And he's yo- not a huge dude either, right? Not he's only is he... He's 230. Yeah, he's... But no, he's, but he's uh, not... Frame-wise, he's not, like, six foot four, is he? He no, he's like yeah, he's like a uh, intercontinental champion size yeah. wrestler for the. I'm 80s. just saying those guys have a much easier job, you know, getting more definition. You know, he wasn't like a big body guy. 
he's yoked no. in this. And yeah. then to have someone come up and be like, who is your body double? I'd be like, oh, you motherfucker. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Hey, hey, I would just start taking out. off my shirt and be like, this, I'm going to body double this. you right now. Roddy Piper, uh, famously a super nice guy. He's quoted as saying, if you ask me for the shirt off my back, I'll give it to you. If you tell me to give it to you, not a fucking chance. That's because he's Canadian yeah. and they're yeah. notoriously nice people. Uh, so, Captain Cash, where can you be found? Uh, you can find me on the street corner proselytizing the alien takeover at CAPT, CASH mm. yeah. on most of your social media. I think we've seen several of these folks at Comic Con, although their hostile takeover is totally fabricated and not yeah. based in any form of reality. Any kind of like fun alien takeover. Yeah, no, not cool at all. And also, uh, mm. they're on the wrong side of the. <laughs> according to most of their soapbox speeches they are very upset at captain cash for wearing cosplay well technically he's the devil oh yeah no he's actually the devil that's dressed up like daredevil listen i want you to understand i've been accused of being the devil and i just need to tell you that i am innocent i always uh i'm always down for a tim curry impersonation i think he nailed that one I think he nailed it. I'm going to give up to him. Thank uh, you. I mean, I, I don't think I deserved that. it, but that was good. You know, that was good. Legend callback. Here we go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So they they live as free on Peacock. Um, if you have that, which I have. Which why? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, or you can rent it for like three ninety nine. If you don't own They Live, <coughs> Captain Cash, <coughs> it's time to uh, reassess what's been going on with your life. Might be time to reprioritize. <laughs> my 1987 movies your situation yeah it's 88 please oh, yeah, and uh, I, th- I think a few years ago they released a, a, a blu-ray edition so you, you can find it on blu-ray now uh if you look at our instagram you'll see on our story uh obviously i have the the shout factory re-released 4k high def obviously it's got a great, it's got oh, a great there's a 4k now track. wow yeah great commentary track also came with a figure of frank which uh, just sits there unopened. The one thing I've never opened is just Frank from They Live. There's no, you can't really upscale video that old. Like, why are you making it on Blu-ray? It's going to look exactly the same, right? Oh, bullshit, you can't. (laughs) I I will say on the Blu-ray version, I did notice uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper's uh, acne scars a bit more. Those are present, yeah. I I was kind of surprised because you don't see that when uh, when he's in the ring. And I never noticed it in the movies before. Not to say that I'm not criticizing the man's look. He's a handsome guy, but I'm like, damn, I can see this dude's pores. You're getting close to stoking T-Dub's ire. Well, hey, and I'm going to bring this up now, McCheese, because you mentioned it on the group chat earlier. I think it was you. Man, not only is he jacked when he's shirtless shoveling in this movie, but that dude can fill out a pair of Lees, man. Yeah, I don't know if those were custom fit or just like the old, uh, what are they, 56s or 57, whatever those Levi's were. So, they pitched 501s. Back in the day. But, so, ooh, so Wrangler <laughs> ponied up the cash to give Brett Favre, Mr. I Take Dick Picks and Crocs, a deal. Where was the Roddy Piper deal in 88 after That's this movie? He should have been right next to uh, what's her face with like the butt cheek jean commercials. Should have been him and her, Cindy Crawford, side by yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, Cindy Crawford when she was doing the jeans commercials. It should have been him right next to her, just being like, yeah. also for men. Yeah, for for our younger viewers uh, in the eighties, uh, blue it. jeans were, aver- were advertised just on go, television. Just Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't have. All right, 
all right, kids, let, let's break down blue jean commercials for you. Uh, so from four decades ago, yeah. let's talk beer instead, because uh, tonight we're drinking Clown Shoes' Bubble Farm IPA. It's light in color with a touch of haze. It's an American IPA that means an approachable medium body without sacrificing any of its full aroma or flavor and has copious amounts of dry hopping additions of Mosaic, Azaka, Simcoa, and Idaho 7 hops. And it clocks in at just below a Captain Cash approved 6.5 ABV. Now, I come across Clown Shoes' beer all the time. In the store, I've never bought any. They have great can art, like very cool graphics on all their cans. And I like this IPA. I'd give it three bad movies. And of course, I chose it because it's Bubble Farm. And the most iconic line in this movie involves bubble gum. Was anybody else able to get Clown Shoes' Bubble Farm IPA? Nope. Well, I recommend uh, hey, it. Real quick here, T-Dubs. I could not get it tonight, but I have had it in the past. For whatever reason, a couple of years ago, uh, I feel like they had it at the uh, airport in Atlanta. And I got stuck with a delayed flight, so I went to have a couple of cocktails. And I, I tried one because they had a couple different Clown Shoe varieties on tap at this little bar at the end of my terminal and it was okay. It's a solid IPA. I, I you know, if my memory serves correct, I think I'd give it a, a one and a half bad movies. It, it wasn't quite my bag for an IPA, but it was solid. It's surprising that I can get basically every clown shoe beer because I'm way out in Arizona and it's a Massachusetts based yeah. brewery, but uh, I would certainly buy their beers again. Yeah. I've got a couple varieties down here, but not this one. Uh, currently available but yeah no good stuff so they live was directed by pod favorite john carpenter the horror master uh we've previously covered three of his films the thing big trouble in little china and escape from la run baby run escape from la got a shout out to rob zombie of course uh stars one of my all-time favorite professional wrestlers rowdy roddy piper as nada apparently Who john nada played as at Comic-Con. That I is true. That. I uh, I did dress as Rowdy Roddy, and I hope I did him uh, well. You've got Keith. How'd you get the beans above the Frank? Uh, David as Frank. Obviously, he's a return character. He was in The Thing. He's Childs. Uh, you've got Meg, Evil Lynn, Foster as Holly. Uh, so, again, repeat Welcome Parents. back to the pod, yeah. basically everybody but Roddy Piper so far. Yeah, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> Masters of the Universe, not mm-hmm. as good as this movie, but still fun. I mean, I had and, a good time with Masters of the Universe. Yeah, yeah, it's hard not to. And you've got Peter, Master Boy, Jason as Gilbert. There's not a lot of characters in this movie. There's a couple other guys. There's a homeless guy that ends up uh, basically selling his soul to the aliens, who was also a homeless guy in Escape from New York. But that's about it. Like, uh, by the way, Master Boyd, that guy plays Johnny Cage's sensei in 1995's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no way. Yes. Yes. Welcome back to the pod, D- Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. Anderson. So I had to do the Master Boyd simply because of that connection. Uh, here's something I randomly looked up just because the name connection. While they're going through the intro, they say that the producer is Larry Franco. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is anyone that you guys can call no, I out. I saw so, that and I was like, is that James Franco's dad? So I did the same thing. I was like, wait a minute. Is there like a father Franco? Uh, no, but uh, listen. Well, there was the- a priest Franco. That was an oh. uncle though. Father Franco. But listen the to pious. this dude. Listen to this dude's Pop- credits. Franco. Not only did he produce, he starred in They Live. He was he produced The Thing. He produced Christine. He produced Big Trouble in Little China. He produced Prince of Darkness. He produced Tango and Cash. He produced The Rocketeer. He produced Batman Returns. And then it kind of falls off. Well, no, wait. he produced Jumanji. He produced Mars Attacks and a couple other ones on the way out. But I mean, like that's kind of a murderer's row of production. <laughs> Not only that. He is Kurt Russell's brother-in-law, or was. Yeah, that's oh. the things I was looking up. He's like got a couple random like brother, like he has a couple in-law families from like old marriages that like link up to this. Like, who is this person? Wow. So you're basically saying he's one of the aliens. Oh my god, he produced Nutcracker in the Form Realms. Oh my god. Well, <laughs> well true, true story. I'm eating my hair. You know why he has such a gap in his filmography? Because he was playing Jumanji, and until the dice read five or eight in the jungle, he must waste. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Batman Begins, White House Down. <laughs> it's hey. like this dude just started picking a Sleepy Hollow. Guy brings it. Larry Franco brings it. Brings it hard. Clearly. Yeah. Oh shit! There's like a couple in here I don't know, but. He you know it is. Apparently, you know what his he apparently starred was? in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> you know what his meeting line was whenever he'd pitch a movie. Let me be Franco. I'm not James Franco's dad. Yeah, which I mean, <laughs> Chump Zilla would, would appreciate that. Like, hey, pretty good at movies. Also, not James Franco's dad. Okay, so back to they live. It opened in November of 1988. Grossed 13 million on a budget of four million or three, depending on where you look. Uh, so it did make money, but it was disappointing turn nonetheless, because essentially John Carpenter had abandoned big studio productions and made a couple of movies with smaller scale companies because he wanted creative freedom. And this movie did not make a lot of money. Um, its failure really didn't bother him, though. He told the Los Angeles Times in 2013, by the late 80s, I'd had enough and I decided I had to make a statement as stupid, as banal as it is. But I made one. And that's they live. I just love that it was giving the finger to Reagan when nobody else would. Um, and we'll talk about that quite a bit because this movie is very anti-Reagan era economics and policies and the way America was trending in the decade of the 1980s, which is essentially expanding the wealth gap. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot of the, sh- the shit he says in this movie, when when we think about it later, when we get to that question is, it's all pressing matters of today. So like the things he was trying to say, nothing has changed. Yeah. It's Sadly, folks, none, none of this is new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very much depressing, Captain Cash. Would you say it's a tale as old as time? Song as old as rhyme. <laughs> True. Yeah. As it can be. Yeah. So since its release, for that reason, it amassed quite a cult following. It wasn't well-reviewed at first. Now it's like 85% on Rotten Tomatoes with 65 reviews. It's got a 55 Metacritic. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's a little ham-handed, maybe. And there are a couple instances where I go, uh, okay, that that's a little like, 
you're sucking your own dick a bit, John Carpenter. But fine. It, like I, I don't I don't know how it wasn't that well received. It's got a message, it executes it competently. Well, there's a couple of things going on here, Captain Cash. Uh, you know, this movie did open at number one. Yeah, and then it basically subsequently dropped immediately and was out of theaters in like a matter of like a week and a half. And I guess the thing about this movie, and I was going to bring it up later, is that it's so blatantly anti-consumerism that I, I think this probably wasn't a real popular concept with not only like the studio system and the Hollywood folks, they're probably like, Oh, what is this? This is scary. Um, I, I imagine that it probably was kind of, you know, quietly moved out of theaters. Well, I don't, the, I, I don't, in I don't, the decade don't... of consumerism of mindless consumerism and excess, which there've been several decades of that. Don't get me wrong, but the eighties were an era of excess being told you're a sheep, maybe not the most marketable thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I, I think even John Carpenter was a bit perplexed. How how did this open at number one? And then they just yanked it out of theaters. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Well, I think even though he went the route of basically being an independent filmmaker, he was not, well, one, if you don't have powerful studio backing, there's not a lot of leverage there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he made the movie he wanted to make. And that's why it is a cult classic. Like its themes have endured. There were pretty prophetic and the obey message is basically a part of pop culture lexicon there's like a super famous street artist that like made that his thing like yeah, it's a it, skateboard it, company thing it's yeah basically ape the whole uh yeah well, you think I, it's the weird that they took a propaganda thing yeah they took a commercial thing saying that consumerism is bad and then used it to sell stuff well, it's supposed to be meta, right? It was supposed to be like, look, we're not even going to try to to trick you. Here's the straight message. Well, I think like you know, the, the, the street artists, like uh, he's not Banksy, but I guess he's he's similar to that would be that, that he's inherently counterculture. And the street art is a way of sending a message to corporations or uh, power structures at large. Skateboarding has always been kind of the same way, but still, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like, it's sort of antithetical to the the message of the movie if you're using its themes to then like yeah, sell it's, skateboards it's, or something. Yeah, right? it, it's it's purposely ironic, right? Like that's what they're going for. But this movie, and I think it is still influential and, and still awesome. It ranked number eighteen on Entertainment Weekly's The Cult Twenty Five, the essential left field movie hits since 1983. Um, which brings us to one sentence descriptions because we're going to talk about a bit about all that stuff after the plot. But how would you describe this movie in one sentence, Chumpzilla? An idealistic day laborer is radicalized by an underground quasi religious cult and becomes an anti capitalist terrorist. Okay. Uh, Mayor McCheese. Rowdy, rowdy consumerism in spaceships. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> Captain Cash. Stay woke, the movie. Yeah. Stay, stay woke, yeah. The, the movie. Uh, I would describe it as Roddy Piper's in town. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Like, they kind of, we'll get to it in the plot, but they kind of blase over his murder spree. <laughs> oh, totally. Like, totally. He, 
I mean, to be fair, he doesn't kill any humans. He does kill a lot of everyone else who looks like humans. We'll, so. we'll, we'll dive into it later, but I do like that after he's got the goggles and can see everything as it is, and he's now murdering because obviously he needs to like that would be the movie he, you would go he'd be like, like there are zombies these glasses show me zombies i'm gonna I just, I just i like the part where he takes him off he's he and like one well, i like the part where he's walking around and he's fucking exhausted like ah dealing with this is ex- like killing these people and dealing with this true reality is so tiring <laughs> like he God, puts on such it. an actor's totally face where he's it. like Rowdy, you gotta be—you gotta be so tired. Like you just wrestled for forty-eight hours straight. Give me that. And like he walks into that flower shop, and it's just, uh, oh god, so much. <laughs> I do, I do think like his murder spree basically only culminating in a few police chases when they were able to find him is also sort of a bit of commentary that unless you're part of the elite elite, you don't actually matter. But. That could be looking too far into the movie, but that is a big part of the movie that there's the haves and there's the have nots and the haves don't even necessarily care about their own species that are the have nots. Like there's aliens who are like living day to day who aren't part of the upper crust. Of, I feel like know, we're, I, I feel like we're, we're edging into American psycho territory. Well, I think I was going to make that comparison because when he does all his things, and people don't necessarily care because the eighties were vapid and sort of nonsense. And that's big part of the movie. Like he does all these things. It's almost a cry for attention. He realizes that nobody fucking cares. So yeah. The movie has a lot of weight in messaging. Yeah. So let's get to the plot of they live because I have some fun questions prepared. So Nada, that's, Roddy Roddy Piper is a drifter, a man looking for an honest day's pay and a place to sleep. He he's never called that. He's just listed as that. He's basically the man. No, with he, no name. they he's call him Nada. Oh, okay, he has no first name. Yeah, yeah. But his first name is apparently this... John. John Nada. Right. Let's knock this out right now because I thought this was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's a decision by John Carpenter, but it's certainly something he did. There is only one character in this movie that is given both a first and last name, and that is uh, Frank Evelyn. No, it's oh, Evelyn. yeah. She, well, Frank has a first and last name because technically Frank's first and last name is that of the screenwriter, which is Frank Armitage, which right. is his pseudonym for the movie. He wrote right. the movie, John Carpenter, but, that is. Right. And, made and credited to Armitage. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she introduces herself as Holly Thompson. Yes. So that, yeah. ma- that so makes her the only character yeah. on screen given a first and last Which, name. Everybody else is the, just one name. Hint, hint. She should be suspicious. <laughs> I, I mean, she was evil when. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. But I don't know how her turn is not telegraphed a mile away like i don't i don't don't even understand why roddy piper's like we gotta find her he she tries to kill him like immediately yeah yeah let's let's get we'll get to it she does yeah we'll get get to it let's suspend his disbelief the rest of the listener or the watcher should just be like "Mm, she's definitely fucking evil (laughs) yeah no she looks evil like the entire time they found the most evil she talks like a bad guy yeah (laughs) 
she's not Ray Dong Chong, which he abducts her in like essentially the same fashion Arnold yes. does her in Commando. <laughs> hey, but we'll I have a seven thirty karate class, and I cannot help you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me, Mister? All right, go, 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 go uh, with the plot. So he go. wanders into LA without a plan, but winds up catching on at a construction site. That's where he meets Frank. Frank, uh, realizing Nada's new to town, offers to let him follow him over to a local shanty town. This is where Nada discovers. Um, I, I guess he probably knew that life was unfair, but he's really getting a glimpse of it here. But there's a local church, and there's some weird things going on over there. What we don't know, and also all the TVs in the shanty town occasionally break into what you would call like counter programming, like cracking hmm. through regular TV. I believe the technical term is a signal incursion or I, intrusion. I do, I do have one quick question. How do we, I mean, and I just might be dumb here. How do we know this is LA? Is it just the landscape or do they say it? Oh, I think I, I read a lot about the movie and it's just based on LA. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, at one I point figured, they make mention I, of west coast yeah it, I, I know it was it, like la i know it was shot it, there they used like actually a lot of actual homeless people while shooting i mean yeah. i figured it was the only reason i was grasping at straws is that later in the movie he says like well this isn't cleveland and i was like oh he's in cleveland it's not well, those aren't any of the buildings we have here Let's be fair oh, here. Well, would, the alien, would, the, would the aliens set up their hub of communications in Cleveland? <laughs> well, if they were looking for Howard the Duck. They couldn't even get reception there. I mean, it, we have the Rock Hall and the Browns. Fuck off, asshole. Yeah. So, hey, T-Dubs, when was this movie filmed? Uh, I, it was filmed over eight weeks, so 87. Yeah, like, okay. Because I'm just saying, there's a famous, it is called a, a signal incursion. Um, there's a famous one that happened in Chicago in November of 87 where some guy in a max headroom mask like cracked into some local broadcast networks and they never figured out who it was and apparently happened a second time. So just that was like told, a thing a thing that happened in the 80s. Yeah. They just told dick and fart jokes. Didn't really like broadcast that there were aliens in the world. He was just No, like, yeah, it was just really uh, it was really weird. He, 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 there was two of them. One was on the WGN uh, the channel and then some other one. Okay, well, in the anyway, movie, yes. cool those signal incursions are basically warning the masses that you're being manipulated. This prompts Nada to go over to that church. Clearly, Nada's on the level. Uh, this is made crystal clear the next night when a militarized police force rumbles through the town, beating people to a bloody pulp and arresting anyone suspicious. So, again, a little bit of social commentary, militarized policing. He's commenting on that. Breaking up Doing the bidding down. of the yeah. uh, ruling class. Not really protecting and serving. Doing doing the bidding of uh, the literally, uh-huh. Literally beating women and children down and shaking down innocent folks who may be less privileged than yourself. Is the big yeah. dude who runs the homeless camp slash eyeglass uh, conservatory, is he from something else? He looks so familiar. Well, yeah, he's Johnny Cage's sensei in Mortal Kombat. He's in a, a shitload of things, Gilbert. <laughs> like a shitload. If you look at his IMDb, it will take you a week to scroll through it. He, no, you've seen go, him I'm going to go everywhere. do that now. Yeah, he's everywhere. So afterward... Nada returns to the church, which has essentially been firebombed, and discovers the sunglasses. And these sunglasses allow a person to see what's actually all around, which is propaganda ordering us to consume. 
obey, marry and reproduce. Uh, worse than the subliminal messaging though, there's actually a large swath of the population that isn't human at all. They are aliens. As one would, Nada loses his shit here. And we get a series of events, each escalating in nature and culminating with the famous line, I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Uh, by the way, that line was apparently improvised by Hot Rod himself, which is makes him totally invaluable to the movie because it is the best line of the movie. <laughs> so after murdering quite a few aliens, Nada kidnaps a local, that's Holly, in order to lay low. Uh, that doesn't last long. She launches him out of window and he proceeds to go find Frank to clue him in on what's really going on because Frank is his one friend in the movie. Did it make anybody else uncomfortable that... From the outside, this dude is just unloading on a bank. No, I just like because it's it. it's such an eighties movie. Like I get it today. Like if you made this movie today, you'd yeah. have to write it in such a way that's a lot more tactful. You definitely have to when write I, it in a way that people don't understand yeah. how shotguns work. When I just, first he, saw this movie, though, I I didn't think about people getting shot in public ever. Like it was just an eighties movie to me. Like that was eighties movies. Yeah. I don't I really guess, but okay. gun logistics, I, like I don't know anything about, but no, oh, no. I mean, if he's blasting that shotgun at random people, he's hitting a lot of them, not like one alien person. So that whole, that whole scene doesn't carry weight because he would have been killing a ton of innocent people. This comes from the, I hate guns more than probably just about anybody, but I love action movies mainly because they're not real. So, you know, that's like, the, that's the duality of man TW. Yeah. I just, so I don't really think about it that way because he is like, he's specifically aiming for the aliens. Yeah. You know, like he goes out of his way throughout the movie to not harm people he sees as human. So I do take like, you know, he's... You no, know, Yeah, I mean, th there's a point where he's confronted with a cop who is not one of the aliens and he, he tells him to run. But no, I he tells him to beat his feet. He tells That's him to exactly beat his right. feet. I know, I just, I couldn't say it and pretend like I was a human to say it. And when he... <laughs> When they first what? recorded that scene, the guy ran in place, like trying to beat his feet. And he goes, I guess he took it too literally, but he was really into it. So nobody, you're not, any, nobody I, you're, not you're not actually serious yeah. right no. now with that. Yeah. No, I am. I'm, There's I'm no serious. fucking way. Yes. When oh, he said, I, beat I, I your assume, feet. I assume the actor just doubled over in laughter. He took it so seriously. He was just running in place. Like he was on like the trackpad for the Nintendo. <laughs> I can only imagine John Carpenter going, cut, cut, cut. Come here, come here, buddy. Rotting clothesline. Like, I, I love where your heart's at here, pal, but we're, we're going to do, we're going to need you to do something just a little different. We're going to want you to run away yeah. and not run yeah. in place. In place. Like, yeah. yeah, no, you can't just run there like that. Jesus you Christ. You can't do that. So we're on to the alley fight. Mm. Now, I do have a, I have a quick question here because the alley fight is long. And it was when they were going to film it, it was supposed to be like 20 seconds. So is this needlessly long or the greatest five plus minutes ever put to film? I think the answer is clear. I love it. I love it. And I love it even because uh, South Park cribbed it on the fight, in the cripple fight episode. They yep. did a shot for shot retake shot for of shot. the entire alley fight. And I watched Six it with full minutes. I watched it with Mrs. McCheese and she was like, Jesus Christ, is it going to end? And I was like, no, it's amazing. Stop talking. 
the fight uh, is so brutal and brilliant. It's like impossible not to love. He gut wrench suplexes him at one point. Yeah. There's, se- there's several wrestling moves. You get several yeah. full on knees, not punches, knees to the dick. I Hold mean, on. Frank God, lands five knees to Nada's nuts. Oh, we oh, oh, yeah. hold, hold oh, on. Yeah. Hold on. TV, we learn that Frank owns a car, apparently, because <laughs> he hits a uh, Roddy Piper hits a car with a stick and he goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. And Frank gets super pissed. So apparently Frank owns a car. That, we learned that, that, was, that in that's the, fight. the best part of the fight. <laughs> no, yes. I think, I think that was other. Like, I think I took it too far. And then they immediately <laughs> just start beating the shit out of like, each other. And then yeah. Frank tries to break the bottle on the car, but it doesn't break in such a way that it becomes a useful shank. I mean, like, there's yeah, there, there is at scene. least six in that scene. There's six points during this whole scene the fight could have end, and then it just starts right back up. Oh, like where they're like literally like it's over. And then they walk away, and the guy's like, No, 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 it's not over. So they rehearsed that for like three weeks. <laughs> And they apparently were just like, screw it. No shots to the hair or face and just beat the shit out of each other. That's awesome. I, I love that. So that scene is amazing. It is. It's great. It, it's the, I think it's one of the greatest single things ever put to the, I mean, the film in the 80s. When, when, Sa- when South Park does a shot for shot of you, you've done something right. Well, I'll never forget seeing that episode of South Park. And not really catching the setup for it, you know. Put on the hat, <laughs> and then, and then like I'm like, wait, wait a minute, like, like what? Oh, wait, oh, oh, I get it, I get it. They live. It was it just like my mind was blown. Like I can't believe we're, they're doing this. Yeah, it was one of like my real pop culture moments where it was like, oh, really famous people love the same same things I do. That's really cool. <laughs> like they purposely wrote an episode just to do this. That's sort of neat. Yeah. And that's like that's like the joke of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So back to the plot. Uh after Frank gets hip to what's really happening, Gilbert reappears. Uh and there's only one thing left to do. Take the mask off this batshit nonsense and expose the alien enslavers. As Gilbert says, the world needs a wake-up call, and we're gonna phone it in. This movie's full of cheesy one-liners so they head to a resistance meeting where they again encounter holly and flee when the alien gestapo arrive her at that meeting only again makes me think that she is evil as shit where did she come from yeah there's a like she shows up like i would understand if she would have been like oh after i tried to kill you i put on the glasses and saw some shit but no she just shows up and she's like Oh, it's definitely not at that TV station. Not like, as, that, she's fucking evil. She's definitely yeah. evil as shit. There, there's uh, no way. All you people drinking coffee at like an AA meeting could not recognize that she is the most evil person in the room. And let's not forget now that she's already tried to murder Nada and he just like forgives her. Like, ah, it's all right, doll face. Like, I mean, like, no, she tried to kill you. It's certainly the weakest portion of the film. I think that his implicit trust in this woman who threw him out of a window after, after, after hitting him with a wine bottle. Yeah, after hitting him in the back of the head with a wine bottle. And that her window is at least a solid 40 feet from the ground below. Yeah, so that's she attempted murder. He really tried to murder him, not just like, oh, there's an intruder in my house, Ray Dong Chong style. She tried to kill the shit out of him. 
he did kidnap her at gunpoint though so right. and that's one of those things where like i think he could have yeah. you know a little bit of better storytelling he makes her put the glasses on and like see the truth he had she the fakes, opportunity she fakes like he, she should he, uh, he What's lets up? her not do it but the thing is he he intentionally tells her to do it and then she's like no and he's like okay no it's like no put the glasses oh, no, this, on her this is one of those weird scenes that it kind of I don't know, it brings the movie down for me because I really do like this movie where he gets apparently wearing the glasses makes him exhausted and to the point where he like it's emotionally draining. Well, he needs a, it's like watching the re- notebook. He needs a super nap. And like he even says it when he's like, oh, wearing those things takes it out of you. But like if you're going to kidnap somebody, you better prove your intentions to them like, hey. I'm only trying to get away from this scary situation. I'm not trying to harm you. And he doesn't do any of that. So I understand why she attempts to kill him, but he could have easily been like, hey, turn your TV on and pop these glasses on for five seconds. That's why I'm here. Well, he does try to explain it to her. Um, but he lets her off the hook. It's terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, she, maybe we should have known this at this point, this time where he's trying to put the glasses on her and she's hemming and hawing because she's an insider and she's super fucking evil yeah right so at this point mcgee she knows more than he does right yeah she knows exactly right. what's going on so she should have just faked it and been like oh yeah i'll put these on oh man this is a this is surprising oh this is a big deal she should have just feigned no, like it, it, if she yeah. put them on she's like everything looks normal then like he would think he's fucking crazy and then maybe stop trying to you're giving uh, uh you're giving 1988 megan kelly a lot more credit she could never be that clever well they She's never like, gave yeah, her anything get it they didn't you can't really... do anything about it they didn't give uh, her much to do they kind of like sheeped okay, her whatever. the whole All movie right, let's go after the shootout they traverse a secret labyrinth the aliens have built uh, beneath LA and head to the TV studio to destroy the satellite that's been broadcasting all the subliminal messaging it turns out it's Holly's TV station. And as we just do want to say that let's traverse the alien base is the weakest bit. It's like, hello, I am your guide to all of the exposition that the aliens are doing. Well, and that's also the homeless guy who sold his soul. Basically like, hey, for free money, of course, I'll let you take over the world, Uh, which we're going to get there. Uh, But it's not the least believable thing about the movie. But yes, I agree that like that part is. The last 15 minutes of the movie are super rushed. Like it, it feels like someone said, All right, let's go. Wrap it up. You got you got 90 <laughs> minutes. We spent the first 30 letting John Carpenter make his slow ass music. We need to finish oh, the last third. Nope. Nope. Not no. gonna not let you do that, McCheese. So uh, yeah. So like Snake T- Pliskin. Tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong. Like Snake Pliskin and Escape from LA, not a shocks the system, destroying the satellite. Cue the credits. This movie is effing incredible. Everything about it is awesome. Hold on. TV timeout. The movie literally ends the titty scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it completely does. does. Like, why would you not start with that? And even before the titty scene, when the, the broadcast is is ended, the whatever the the laser intervention that is preventing all of the humans from seeing the aliens there is a a broadcaster alien who is complaining about 
you know, the moral degradation of movies. Movies by people like George Romero and John Carpenter. Yeah, you, you actually camera. You mentioned the part where he was like stroking his ego the most, and that was definitely it. Right there. Yeah. And then at the very end, he's like, and some titties for your time. Here you are. Thank you for sitting through my What's wrong, baby? movie. I'm going to give you some zombie on today action. So uh, how many beers are required? Uh, I'm going to finish with Chumzilla because I know he's on the same page as me. We'll start with Captain Cash. How many beers are required to sit through? They live. I may remind you, this is one of my favorite 80s movies. No one gives Listen, a shit. Don't don't yeah, bring your bias my, into this. Yeah, my opinion of your decision. bias means jack shit. But <laughs> I, it's ninety minutes. You can't really like, like it's two. It's two. It's it's not a bad movie. There there are a handful of things that don't necessarily work. No, this is because you're getting old and you won't shotgun anymore. That that's fair. If I if I was still shotgunning, four. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty but, weak because Roddy Piper employs a shotgun heavily throughout the yeah. film. But, uh, but yeah. like honestly, it's a two beer movie. It it's done in ninety minutes. It it moves at a clip. There are things that don't always necessarily make sense, or you know, there are like the plot points that are very obviously telegraphed. That when well, know, no, we we got to all that. So is it yeah. pain or pleasure? One to one. Yeah. Like one, one oh. to enjoy sort of the no. the dumb parts of it, one to sort of dull the dumbest parts of it. I'm gonna hop in just so I can ruin TW's night. It's two pain, one enjoyment. Because the first 30 minutes could have been surmised in a five minute voiceover. See, I disagree. <laughs> I that slow burn of getting you to really appreciate where Nada is coming from and like you get introduced to the the shanty town that he joins very briefly. Like it matters when they bulldoze. You're like, this is some bullshit. Well, no, I'm the first 30 cool. minutes, they don't bulldoze. It's just nothing. The first 30 minutes, literally until 30 minutes, he doesn't have the glasses. No, no, no. I, listen, I get it. But nothing it's happens. making you care about the, these people that are helping each other. Like they go out mm. of their way to show that, the foreman on the construction site is a shit bag, but David, wait, Keith, David, David, Keith, Keith, Keith David, David. Yeah. Keith, David, and all these other folks in this community are good people trying to look out for each other. They don't, they don't have the most means, but Hey, we're still going to make a community. And then at 30 minutes, they bulldoze it. You're like, no, the, oh, the, again, that. they don't, they don't bulldoze it at 30 minutes. At 30 minutes, he learns that there are sunglasses that lets him see the future. Everything well, that's, before that's everything before the, that is him wandering around but the, shoveling. But the sunglasses are after the bulldozing. Yep. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. He goes to the place before that and realizes like, oh, there's some weird things happening here. And that's when he asked Gilbert, like, uh, you guys are doing choir at 4 a.m.? He's like, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I definitely, I, I wrote some notes, and the bulldozing is definitely not before 30. He minutes. finds a package and yes. then puts it away and then doesn't go back for it until after the cops. And then he's like, saying, oh, they're here for a reason. What did I put away? I know you don't want me to pick on the movie, T-Dubs, but I mean, they could have taken that first, let's call it 20 minutes to keep uh, Captain Cash off my back. They could have taken that and summarily shortened it down 
and put that towards, I would say the last 20 minutes would need a little bit beefing up. I think we might be getting in front of ourselves on how to fix this movie. I mean, though, you're not going to let us do that. Um, just because him wandering around, finding a job and being homeless. And basically the first third of the movie is the world sucks and it super sucks to be poor. And then the second third of the movie is, and here's the reason why, because yeah. fucking aliens. <laughs> in, in movie terms, we call that act one and act two. Yeah, well, I would say, okay, it's a three beer movie. Two pain, one enjoyment, a beer every 30 minutes, Well, and I'm in. I think uh, Chumpsil disagree. What do you think, Chumpsil? Well, I mean, no beers are actually needed to watch They Live. That's the correct uh, answer. But you guys you know, can go. You guys can go stroke each other off. <laughs> I mean, this is a masterpiece uh, of cult cinema. It is. But yes. I would recommend. Hey, have a couple and enjoy the ride. You know, I mean, if you're gonna, you can. This is a, a easy to watch movie. If you're a John Carpenter fan, I mean, it's a very John Carpenter film. Uh, in the way it's shot and the soundtrack and all that stuff. And it, it's a smart movie. That's the thing. He directed this as a straightforward action movie. That was kind of the way he <clears throat> wanted to, to, to film it. But it's a pretty high concept for an action flick. And on $4 million, I mean, it was literally a shoestring budget. I, yes. yes, I will is. disagree that it is not an easy to watch movie because this is another one of the ones I tricked uh, Mrs. McCheese into watching. And the whole time she just had nonstop questions like, what are they doing? What? Why would you do that? It's so much simpler to do this. So if it doesn't yeah. pass, if it doesn't pass that litmus test, then you need a specific audience. This yeah, is fair. This is a genre film. I love it dearly i love roddy roddy piper dearly he is the man i think what makes this movie so great to me is obviously he's not the best actor but he really sort of was this character in a lot of ways like roddy piper was homeless for like a good you know like for a while because his dad was an abusive piece of shit and he lived on the street and like he sort of was this character now there's a part there's a part in this movie that actually digs yeah, into that like, that is that's almost yeah he, semi it's semi uncomfortable it, yeah. where he talks about like oh yeah my dad got the knife out and i was like oh fuck this is yeah getting kind of heavy for a friday night do you want to know how i got these scars i'm like whoa yeah. whoa, whoa. So, basically going? but real life <laughs> i i love this movie i i tell you zero beers because you you don't need any beers to watch this uh if you, especially if you love john carpenter but three enjoyment beers enjoy the movie I love this movie. It's so much fun. It's it's pure 80s cinema, like cult cinema. It's fantastic. Is it better than Big Trouble? Uh, we're going to talk about that after the break. I, you know, who knows what people are going to say. But this is one of the great John Carpenter movies. It's a great movie, but I mean, I think that the thing that brings it down for me is the rewatch. And, and I don't know. I don't know if there's a reason why, but... The reason I'm giving it three is the rewatch. I, I think I'm nitpicking it. Maybe that's why. Well, it's super well, dated I, for sure. It, and it looks dated. I mean, again, it was done on a cheap budget. And there are some visual effects that hold up very well. Like, I thought the drone stuff looked pretty decent, all things considered. 
uh, which was obviously pre CG. It's pre CGI. It looked very, it looked very fifties sci-fi. The but but stuff, th- I think but. that was kind of intentional too. I mean, it, <clears throat> partially Certainly, because of the budget. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was a send up. I mean, I'd have to dig it's, deeper into some interviews, but certainly it could have been a send up to earlier sci-fi, which uh, at the yeah, time, I mean, like invasion stories of the day the earth stood still and invasion of the body snatchers and all that it, shit was a little bit more prevalent. But yeah, for sure. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to hear from our beer bros over at Hot Nation USA. We put on the sunglasses. They're not aliens. So that's good. But we can't guarantee all the beers they recommend are not from alien brewers. But we'll be right back. Consume. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrew. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello, and welcome back to the 129th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. And we are talking John Carpenter's 1988 classic, They Live. We have a few lingering questions before we get to our quiz portion of the show. The first being, where does this rank among the Carpenter films we've done on the pod? As a reminder, we have done Escape from L.A., Big Trouble in Little China, and The Thing. We'll start with Chumpzilla. Uh, I got Big Trouble at number one, The Thing at number two. That was a tough one for me. Um, They Live at three, and then escape from la at a distant number four yes yeah that i think that makes sense mccheese uh same except flip flop one and two okay so you're a thing you're the yep. thing okay. yep above big trouble uh captain cat uh i i'm going to join the majority in i really like big trouble like a lot it's it's just so much fun yeah. so big trouble thing this distant distant fourth escape yeah it's tough um obviously we if we had done escape from new york maybe that that's like a the better it's less distant at that yeah. point but i love big trouble i talked about it on that pod it's one of my favorite movies of all time that's clearly number one for me and as much as i love they live i can't rank it above the thing the thing's a better movie than this yeah is. yeah um, and i mean i'm gonna be honest with you I, I think it's because of two reasons. Roddy Piper is kind of a limited instrument. He's not bad in this. Like he excels when he's having to shout or do physicality. But a lot of the, the other stuff, like he's just, it, it does kind of sound like he's reading lines. Well, did you know that they wanted Kurt Russell? I did know that. Yeah. And essentially it was like, I can't keep doing Kurt Russell. Well, and fucking he, talk like I'd have been like, "Hey, John, have you uh have you met uh, fucking Tim Burton? He'll do nothing but put fucking Johnny Depp in his movies. You can you can do that with Kurt Russell." This I think kind of did. I think work. essentially the thing though was he wanted a guy who was believable as being what Nada ends up being, which is a guy who walks into t- like a, he's a Clint Eastwood type. He's the man with no name, as you said. He walks into town. He's like realizes Rainbow. something's amiss and then just kicks ass and takes names. 
T-Dubs, here's yeah. my question for you. Is this is this Roddy's first movie? I don't... Is this before or after uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown? But essentially, yeah, he, he'd met Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 3, and it was like, you know what? I'm going to put Roddy Piper in this. Yeah, it's worth noting, Captain Cash, to your point, that uh, John Carpenter was a big wrestling fan, so that's why he went with a wrestler for this. He was familiar with that world, and yeah, he... he seen uh roddy at uh wrestlemania i was like okay i like that guy uh but it is pretty clear in several scenes in the movie that he's not a classically trained actor i mean it's just you're right his performance is uneven um but it's it, again but not bad but to your point a little uneven it, well, it's we, not very really polished but again I, I think that was part of the charm of his you know his, his more his stronger scenes is that he comes off like a an everyman yeah, he did two other movies in 88, and they both, I'm guessing, are like straight to VHS. VHS. Hey, it comes t- to Frogtown and Buy and Sell, C-E-L-L. So, so the, like, so this the big, is the first real movie he's done, the so big, you got to uh, give him a little bit of leeway. The big joke between Carpenter and Piper, who remain friends for basically until the end of Piper's life, was... Uh, John Carpenter, well, you've done twice as many movies as, as I have. And he would say, yeah, but not even half of them went made it to theaters. Like, mm-hmm. like I've been in 40 movies and two of them were in theaters. You made 15 movies and they were all in theaters. They were mostly good. Hey, are we going to talk about uh, the Vince McMahon angle here later? Or yeah. We're talk about that now. I mean, essentially you do it now. I mean, because he Vince McMahon's an asshole. Spoiler alert. If you don't Tremendous. know that, uh, his dad was also an asshole, but less of an asshole. Like his dad didn't want Hulk Hogan to do Rocky three, uh, fired him when he did it. And Roddy Piper was fired for doing they live. Yeah. McMahon really? went as far. Yeah. Yep. No, McMahon went as far as to tell him like, Hey, I don't want you doing this movie with John Carpenter. I'll find you another gig with the same pay. And what a uh, giant me, bag me- of shit. Give me, give me four weeks and I'll line you up another gig. And that was a lie. It was a lie. Uh, There was no other gig. This is the McMahon way is to woo somebody away from something that could benefit them. That's not your company, because essentially when you work for WWE, you're an indentured servant. And this was a huge opportunity for Roddy Piper. And he tried to tell him no. And Roddy's like, no, I'm going to do it. And he fired him. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. I do like how Shane McMahon's character became the embodiment of everything that was fucked up with the McMahons. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a rich dick. I'm just going to be a rich dick to everybody. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the truth. So, yeah, not the best actor. I still love him in this movie. Every second of him. Because I am the biggest Roddy Piper fan. Uh, and them jeans, son. Packing yeah, it in. And those jeans. And that mullet. Brett Favre, eat your heart out. So when you think about this movie's central conceit, what immediately comes to mind? And I do have some quotes from John Carpenter about this, but like this movie is very anti-capitalism. It's very anti uh, the ruling class and and those sorts of things. But what immediately comes to mind for you? We'll start with Captain Cash. Uh, I mean, those things, this, this movie has all the subtlety of a sledgehammer. It is very direct in rampant consumerism is bad the ruling class will do whatever they can to hurt the poor the poor themselves will fuck each other over just to get a little bit of that 
that sweet, sweet, greedy, whatever. I mean, and and it yeah. Yeah. in the first 30 minutes, that, that's why I disagreed with McCheese earlier. The first 30 minutes does a great job of showing how people are helping each other and how important that is to that community and, and, and how that's those are the good guys only to have them bulldozed by the people who want who want rampant greed. There is a very distinct commentary that it only takes one person who has a, a rotten luck in life to basically screw over a hundred people that have a rotten luck in life. Cause the one guy turns sides, right? Like the one guy decides to be an insider and that affects so many more people. But I guess I should have phrased it a little bit better and I, I'm going to rephrase it now, but it's like, what do you think now? Like what, like when I think about it now, and, and obviously we mentioned this is a, a commentary on Reagan era politics and, and, and Reaganism. What do you think about now when you, you see this movie? Because this movie is very relevant today, I think, in a lot of ways. Well, no, now it's fucking depressing because 30, 30 40 years ago, this seemed like, uh, I mean, this is a little heavy handed, right? And now it's like, yeah, no, all, all of that completely tracks. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's this Which is not sucks. the first time. Yeah. This is not the first time this kind of stuff's been in a Hollywood movie. I think about uh, <clears throat> that opening scene and uh monty python and the holy grail you know talking about income inequality and socioeconomic issues and cl- it's all about class you know and this with the, this movie's overarching message here is that we're in a class war and the ruling class's strongest weapon against us is convincing us that we're not <laughs> and just keeping you complacent while they continue to accumulate wealth on your backs and you toil in, in, in misery, um, you know, because that's beneficial to them. They don't want you aware of what's really going on um, because it's much easier to, to keep you guys complacent than it is to have to deal with you in reality. Um, that's a really interesting concept. And, you know, the movie's heavy handed with the, with the aliens and the secret signal. And it's, you know, that's how it's hidden from us in plain sight. And it's trying to, yeah, it is woke the movie, like, or stay woke the movie, you know. Uh, but there's other things in this movie that didn't stand out to me as much at the time. The climate change angle was pretty progressive, you know, at the time. And the movie doesn't focus on it a whole lot. I mean, you just, you get it there real briefly in that newscast. But, I mean, that's pretty interesting because that that is also a result of the consumerism and, and, and the the excess and all the the consumption and they want uh, it too the aliens want yeah they, they, it's a, they're a death cult they don't care upon. yeah 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 exactly economic growth above all need this planet yeah which you know i mean you could say that about certain political parties now that seem to not care about the actual consequences of what they're what they're proposing in terms to obtain short-term economic uh, uh, growth for a certain class, but whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty heady stuff for 1988, uh, especially in a movie that's starring a professional wrestler, right? But hey, we've also got the police's private security uh, for the rich and some commentary on a surveillance state, too. I mean, that's all pretty crazy stuff for the time. Indeed it is. Uh, McCheese, what do you immediately think about just watching this movie? What do you think about, like, in terms of now, the things we're seeing now when you watch this movie? I, I think Jumpy covered everything. We can just move on to the next one. Yeah, Thanks, for, McCheese. for me, it's the internet. Like, I think about the internet. 
because television at the time was the predominant way to like mm. get beam into people's households. But now I, wow. I just think about the internet. You just blew my mind, T Dubs. Yes, if they remade, they live today with The Rock, which I'm sure they would. Um, well, they tried. Uh, Matt Reeves, director of the Batman, upcoming, was supposed to direct a They Live remake about eight years ago. Okay. I love Matt Reeves, but this movie should never be remade. Here's yeah. the but, here's, but here's to the your big... point. It would not be TV. It would be the internet. Yeah, it would be the internet. But here's yeah. the big problem is that no matter how well done or thoughtful or scientifically backed it was done, the second, the second it was released, you would just hear, oh, it's fake news. That's fake news. That's fake news. You don't need to listen to that. It's fake news. But that's, see, like you say that, but, and I don't want to get like super political on this pod, but like now this movie is being co-opted by certain people like, oh, this is what it is. And it's like, that's not what it is. Like this movie is very intentionally this, but the fake news thing and, and the convincing people to, to not listen to their eyes and ears, which is very 1984 is this movie like two AT. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that would be the problem with redoing it in nowadays time. It's much harder to do now. It's much harder to, because do I mean, it, Anything you do now, it doesn't matter if you have facts behind it. Everyone's just going to be like, no, it's not real. Well, you could actually just make this movie as a contemporary like thriller where somebody is pleading with people to believe the truth and they simply will not. Okay. Yep. Here's the funnest question of the pod before we get to our quiz. Favorite subliminal message? Because I have a very distinctive one. Yeah, like, I mean, there's a bunch of repeat, but I didn't, like, freeze frame to look at all the magazines. So I I do, like, like doubt humanity, because that seems very specific. Shit. (laughs) I I feel like that subliminal messaging worked on me. I love work eight hours, sleep eight hours, play eight hours. (laughs) Oh, I I did not see that one. Yeah, that's one of them. I do like the one you got here. This is your God. That's the that's, money, right? That's my personal the favorite. Money. That's what's yeah. on the money. My personal favorite is this is your God. Like that, basically I mean, like this invented thing that we have assigned value to is your God. It's a, yeah. it's a fake number you carry around and give to other people and for it's, stuff. That's the truest thing. Like that is the most 80s thing. Like yes. In the era of consumerism, like money is the only thing that matters. Greed is good. You scratch and you claw and you fight your way to get it, and you can never have enough of it. The only thing Except I think they got they a little have too in abundance. The so only thing I, I a little, they got a little too heavy-handed on on the subliminals is like everything says sleep, and that doesn't seem to be a message of the rest of the movie. Well, it's basically stay asleep consciously. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's figurative. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so yeah, this is your God is by far the most profound one. Like yeah, that's I, yeah, my that's one. It's, that's really that's really good. Uh, but my two personal favorites are just consume. Yeah, consume because because that, that just that just uh, it's so blunt. I, I just get a kick out of it because it's like yeah, exactly. That's what they want. Just consume. We don't care right. what. Just and right consume. next to it says just pizza. Consume. Yeah, and then watch TV. <laughs> I I also I, I love that one. <laughs> I also love marry and reproduce. <laughs> like, I like just, I, I, I like Trumpzilla's too because I feel like that's what he does: consume, watch TV, Taco Bell, mm-hmm. 
but watch TV. I play, think Taco Bell, play some Fortnite. I think some Taco of the most Bell, Pluto. Uh, some of the more like really yeah. relevant ones, surrender, cooperate. Like everyone's like, why didn't they just cooperate? Or why didn't they just surrender? It's like yeah. because they didn't do anything. You know, like yeah. these are things that are very relevant still. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just like to point out too that again with the police acting on the homeless encampment, again that's that's the ruling class basically criminalizing poverty. Like, yes, it that like it, I mean it, that is the, it, the the context. Obviously, it, they're it, looking for something, but the visual is they're beating the shit out of innocent people it, for no reason, which is well, a truism. It, and the fact is that hey they're poor they can't consume they can't contribute to the plan so they're they're not worth so, having yeah who around. cares about being the show hey, Dubs, um, this yeah, is getting exactly. heavy and i want to go yeah. consume some broths yeah. i cooked last night let's yeah. go so let's Ooh, that go sounds good get another beer to consume and reward indifferent which is drunkenness we're going to hear from our good buddies over at the double turn podcast they're going to clothesline somebody just like Rowdy Roddy Piper did in this movie. And when we come back, we've got the Obey Trivia Challenge. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to the 129th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are talking John Carpenter's 1988 classic, They Live. We are on to the Obey Trivia Challenge. Gentlemen, we have a standard five-question, multiple-choice format quiz. To chime in, stick with one of the pod favorites. I'm going to shoot my handgun or farts and tarts. And movie-wise, you could say, I'm here to kick ass, dot, dot, dot. Or Mama Don't Like Tattletales. Chumpzilla quoted that earlier. It's fantastic. This movie rules. Yes, sir. Okay. Stick on a pig. Number one, Frank Armitage gets his name from a character in this H.P. Lovecraft story. Is it A, At the Mountains of Madness? Is it B, The Challenge from Beyond? Is it C, the Dunwich Horror, or is it D, From Beyond? Mama don't like tattletales. Chumpzilla. I'm going to go with A. That is incorrect. <clears throat> Which, Not uh, the Mountains of Madness. That is, is at the Mountains of Madness. Is that the Sam Neill in the mountains in the mouth of madness, or is that the mm-hmm. Del Toro? Del Toro. Oh, I thought it was the Del Toro one. Now, now I'm questioning it, but whatever. Okay. Uh, Captain Cash, do you want to rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go next? Do you need? Yeah, let's do it. Ready? All right. All right. On the video. Hold on. On three. Rock. One, two, three. Dan. Yeah, we both. We both went scissors. Hold on. Yeah, we both went scissors. Ready? One, two, three. Shoot. Damn it. Paper. One, two, three. Shoot. Paper again. Are you guys, are you guys kidding me? One, two, three, shoot. 
Scissors again. <laughs> Double this scissors. Is one. That's four. Two, two, three. Joke. Shoot. Damn it. Uh, okay. All right. Finally. Do you need the so responses good, again? Good Wait, old I, trusty rock. Nothing beats that. So I won. So you have to go. Yes, yes. I have to yeah. Go. All right. Yeah. Damn it. All right. Do what you, are my What are my options? Your choices are B. The challenge from beyond. C. The Dunwich horror. Or D. From beyond. Give me B. Incorrect. Fuck. All right. So, wait, what's the original question again? I already forgot. All right. So, Frank Armitage, which was John Carpenter's pseudonym, also yeah, yeah. The, the character name for uh, our yes, boy Keith going. David. So, it's either the Dunwich Horror or From Beyond. I'm going to go with From Beyond. Damn it. It's the Dunwich Horror. What? How would I know? How is it? Wait, who? Who's the protagonist in the Dunwich Horror? I don't know. He's in it. He's a character in the Dunwich oh, Horror. Oh shit! N- never mind. I I was I was thinking of the Terror of Innsmouth. Yeah. Not the um, shit. Wikipedia says he is an Australian-born uh, American painter and muralist. So Fr- Frank, Armitage? you're all wrong. Yeah, yeah, Frank Armitage. So it's zeros. Wow. Round to number two. Damn. This documentary prominently features they live and refers to it as one of the forgotten masterpieces of the Hollywood left. Is it A, the pervert's guide to ideology? Is it B, capitalism, a love story? Is it C, so what's your price? Or is it D, the true cost? I'm going to shoot! Captain Cash. Capitalism, a love story? Incorrect. Damn. I think I was second there then, wasn't I? You were second. I'm going to go with D. Also incorrect. Fuck! All right. What are my remaining answers? Chapsilla, you've got the pervert's guide to ideology or C, what's your price? I'm just going to go with A because it sounds cooler. It is correct. Ah, fuck. Booyah. And I'll post that clip at some point to the social. But in it, Director Slavaj Zizek refers to the sunglasses as a critique of ideology sunglasses, as in they're not the blinders, as, it, as is often thought about ideology, but the revealers of an unseen truth. So like he is awakening from being actually in like a funhouse mirror, like putting on the sunglasses reveals the truth about the society in which he lives He's not blinding himself to the reality no. of the society in which he lives. But either way, I Dude, have the this clip. Is so deep. I'm saying it. Yeah. I, um, yeah. We should go to the next question so we never have to talk about that question so, again. <laughs> it's one nothing, Chumzilla. Number three, any of the skeleton faced aliens that you see on screen. So, like literally close ups, if they had a close up or a speaking part, they were portrayed by the stunt coordinator of the film. Who was it? Was it A, Simon Ree? Was it B, Jeff Amata? Was it C, James Liu? Or was it D, Jeff Wolf? I'm here to kick ass and guess randomly. Captain I'm Cash. out of kick ass. Yeah. Captain Cash. C. Incorrect. Not James Liu. Mm, that would have been my guess. You know what? Uh, Mama don't like tattletales. Chumzilla. I'm going to go with D. It's not Jeff Wolf. Damn. So, Mayor McCheese, it's between Simon Ree. It is Jeff Amata. Ah! 
Nice. You think I would know by the names you're spouting out there? No one knows so, the questions you're asking. I always make the questions hard because I know that people research the questions. All right, next question. So according to the 1988 documentary about the making of the film, Amada was fine playing both female and male characters as long as he could fit into the frocks and didn't mind wearing pumps. And John Carpenter said, when you have 14 black belts, you can wear pumps. <laughs> so he was like literally anybody they zoomed in on who spoke, it was Jeff Amata. Cool. Crazy. Huh. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So we are one to one. Captain Cash and Chumpzilla. Number four, we have two questions left. They lived, shifted its release date to avoid this Carpenter adjacent sequel. Spoiler. It lost at the box office anyway, despite opening at number one. Is it A, Halloween 3, The Witching Hour? Is it B, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers? Is it C, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers? Or is it D, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers? I am Farts and tarts. Yes, and guess at Halloween movies. And I am all out of kick-ass. It was Captain Cash, I think, by my ear. Halloween 4? That is correct! Ah, Bullshit! ah. Uh, This was also the the first of the Halloween movies that Carpenter had zero involvement in. So, Hmm. Also, all of those movies suck. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all tied up, heading into our final question. Number five. They Live is based on a 1963 short story titled Eight O'Clock in the Morning. It was written by Ray Nelson and originally published in this magazine. Mm. Is it A, Asimov's Science Fiction? Is it B, the magazine of fantasy in science fiction? Is it C, Locus, the magazine of the science fiction and fantasy field? Or is it D, Not One of Us? Parts and tarts. Captain Cash. B. Did you say B? B. You are the winner. Yeah. And guess what you win? I didn't mention it earlier, but you win one of the Rolexes that can beam you to nowhere. That's a sweet deal. (laughs) Yeah. I would definitely hang out in nowhere. Yeah. So good job. Butthole. Wow, congratulations there, Captain Cash. We need to hey. some butthole. Skeet up. Skeet up. up, up. up. <laughs> Skeet up the bee. Hey, it just, just, just to bring it up, how cool was it, though, that they did, you know, call out or, you know, give us a little call back uh, to the, the watch portal hole? Because you see the guy at the bank just disappear, and you're like, huh, how did that work? And then at the end of the movie, you, you get to kind of see it. Turns out they just go down a slide. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a tiny little portal hole. It's kind of like in the Mario Brothers movie. It's kind of, yeah. you know, down the tube. They go to a sex club. They click their boots together. Mm-hmm. All right. So on to recommendations. Gentlemen, what do you have on tap for us this week? We'll start with our quiz winner, Captain Cash. I am going to recommend the most Keith David cartoon the of Express! the 1990s. <laughs> Okay, most, if, this is, if this is not Spawn, I'm going to be very upset. The most Keith David cartoon of the 1990s, Gargoyles. 
Holy hey, shit. On Disney Plus. That's coming on back, Disney Plus. Right? I got I hope right. so. It's great. Like so we have been under quarantine and my youngest child has been home with me 100% of the time and he loves gargoyles and I have watched hours of that show and it's still pretty great. I sure. recommend gargoyles. Blame your child for you watching <laughs> hours of gargoyles. Listen, I'd have done it anyway, but that he's into it. I'm like, yeah. You want to watch that episode where uh, Fox gets the eye of Odin and turns into a werewolf on Halloween and Lisa Maza wears the dress from Beauty and the Beast and Goliath is the beast. Goliath voiced by Keith David, the main character of the fucking show. Yeah, Gargoyles is pretty great, even even 30 years later. So we've gone Recommend. real real deep here. Uh, I appreciate that recommendation. Uh, <laughs> Trump, also, you... also, there's oh, a callback to that in DuckTales. Last episode. Congratulations. Okay, here we are. Circling all the way back. It comes back. It always comes back to DuckTales. Uh, Chumzilla, what, do you, what have you got? Uh, it's, tough. it's tough to follow. It yeah. is. It's a tough act to follow. He it's, just really referenced like all sorts lot, of shit. There's a lot of screaming. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So, <clears throat> um, what I'm going to recommend uh, it, it's another horror movie since we are in spooky season. And it was one that was highlighted uh, by the guys that are uh, over at Halloween is Forever. And uh, it stuck out to me because uh, it's a horror movie set in Texarkana, which is a border town between Texas and Arkansas. And I'm familiar with it. And uh, it's a remake of a 76 film. Uh, it's The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And uh, the version I'm talking about was released in 2014. And the original was based on an actual serial killer in the area that was murdering couples parked out of the lover's lane. And uh, the killer was called the Phantom. And, you know, it was obviously it freaked out this, this town. And <clears throat> I think he killed like six or eight people or something like that. And, they were never quite sure who it was, but historians think that they kind of figured out who, who it might have been. But regardless, they made it into like a slasher movie in the 70s. Um, and then this remake released in 14, it's more like a kind of like a scream version of the movie. It's a meta horror movie. It refers to the 76 movie and the town has like a festival and rewatches it every year. And then the killer reappears. And it's got kind of a predictable twist ending when it comes to your horror stuff. But it was a pretty cool, like modern, like I said, like meta slasher film. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And you can get it for free. I think it's on Tubi or it might be on Pluto TV. One of those two. But you can get it for free along with the original as well. And what really cracked me up about it is that when the movie starts, it opens with like the production credits, you know, and the old school Orion Pictures logo comes up. And I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I wanted to watch the 2014 version. Why am I seeing this old Orion logo? I'm not watching, <clears throat> I'm not watching Robocop here. Well, it turns out that MGM uh, restarted Orion Pictures in 2013 for television and then films in 2014. And for whatever reason, at least for this film, they used the old logo. So it was kind of a cool throwback. I'm going to be a dick for a hot second and say that I think the movie may be as long as your recommendation. Yeah, no, sorry. But yeah, it's, it's a decent <laughs> horror flick. Check on it out. The, the town the, that dreaded sundown. On to Mayor McCheese, but quick point. Is Chubzilla Tubi's number one spokesperson? 
I think I feel like he I feel like he gets paid for these advertisements that we just yeah. went through. Are you getting residuals like at all for all dollars the per minute? <laughs> like you recommendations. Know, I'm just saying, like, there's just a lot of free stuff on some of these like random stream. It's hey, these apps are on my TV and I just got random horror movies on there, which is great. I've been I've been watching multiples like on the and weekends. If you like, you know? share, and subscribe, Chumpzilla, then you'll yeah. even get more content. You're yeah. literally my mom on Facebook. It said it was free. <laughs> I just had to give all my information. You get it. Hey, I'll just add too. You do get Anthony Adams and Gary oh, Christ. There's more. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay, uh, please, uh, Mary Jesus, break this up. Uh, I'll go quick. Um, check out the Black Phone trailer. Uh, that is a movie coming out. A horror movie coming out next February. Uh, check out funny games there's two versions i would go with the original german but if you have to go with the american whatever um and then there's also rec rec that's a spanish movie and then there's platform that is an italian movie all great horror check those out yeah hey rec was remade in the u.s as quarantine i believe yeah it's on tube by the way probably wreck was such a great idea that it spawned a bunch of american bullshit but the original was wreck and watch the original always so hey i'm surprised nobody recommended squid game this week because that would be very appropriate for uh they live going to watch it i'm just saying it'd be very appropriate on the, the they live pod i haven't gone yet uh but yeah, you could watch Good Game for sure, but everybody's watching that. Uh, my recommendation, though, is uh, The Empty Man, uh, which I watched on a whim because some guy I follow on Twitter recommended it. Uh, explores sort of similar themes to They Live, uh, although it's less an attack on mindless consumerism and more uh, a commentary on the dangers of groupthink and blindly following a cult. But it was sort of an independent horror movie uh, made in release in 2020, shot in 2017. Very cool visuals in it. I think you'll like it. I didn't think it stuck the landing, but I still think it's worth watching. Is this movie open with them hiking in the mountains? Yeah, that's the okay. empty man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I started watching it and I fell asleep. It's a it's kind of a high concept for a horror movie. Yeah, it certainly warrants discussion. And then it also takes place right around where I mostly grew up. So also interesting, but yeah, The Empty Man, it's free on HBO Max. Uh, definitely watch it. Uh, oh, my second recommendation, because we watched a Roddy Piper movie. As I've said, Roddy Piper is one of my favorite pro wrestlers. And one of my favorite guilty pleasure pro wrestling matches is when he wrestled Gold Dust at WrestleMania 12 in the Hollywood backlot brawl. If you can find that on the internet, I'm not sure Piper understood how to properly not make that match a shoot. <laughs> and he nearly kills Goldust. And there's also interspliced OJ footage on the highway. It, it is like such a train wreck of a match, but it's incredible. Like Piper hits him with a bat. It's incredible. <laughs> so Hollywood backlot brawl, the empty man. Uh, remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Beal Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Captain Cash at C A P T C A S H 
on most social media. You can find Chumpsdale at Chumpsdale8 on Twitter and Mayor McCheese at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And remember to always check out WabamEntertainment.com or at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter or Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and share ideas with us for future episodes. Remember, folks, in the end, they ain't from Cleveland. We'll see you next week for the last entry of our Hops and Floptober series, Club Dread. That's right. They call him the mayor because he spends all his days there. And you would too if you knew what he knew. So pour us another glass in pina colada bird. Coconut milk with a pineapple splash. Don't forget the rum comes third. In pina colada bird. I wrote that song seven fucking years before Margarita. <laughs> <That> motherfucker. <laughs>